Ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to introduce a new sponsor to the podcast. Hillsdale College has been a longtime sponsor of the broadcast. And for the new year, they've graciously agreed to exclusively sponsor the first hour or segment of the podcast. I believe deeply in the principles and mission of Hillsdale College, which I share with you during the upcoming segment. My thanks and appreciation to Hillsdale College for their long partnership with the show. And now, the podcast. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Remember, very, very important, control your own lives by downloading my app so you can always listen to this program no matter what. No matter what. You can listen to the podcast of this program no matter what. Just go to our page, marklevinshow.com. The upper right corner, you'll see a, a keyword space. Type in podcast, and we'll show you exactly how to do it. You can do it in minutes. So I would encourage you to do that. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I posted on my social sites that I have a proposal for reparations. Stick with me through this whole thing, or you won't understand what I'm saying. I believe if you can demonstrate that you are progeny of a slave, I don't mean a recent immigrant who happens to be a minority, no, 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 I'm not talking about people of that sort, I'm talking about people, then maybe you should get reparations. But who should pay them? So here's my proposal. The American people even way back then, didn't all own slaves. The American people, even way back when, then, weren't all supportive of slavery. There was a civil war that was fought. Fought between two groups. One group, states' rights and slavery. Another group, federalism and anti-slavery. Now that's simplistic, but you get the point. Now, which group was which? Did Abraham Lincoln support slavery? No. Did the Republican Party support slavery? Never. Did the Republican Party support segregation? No. Did the Republican Party support the Jim Crow laws in the South? No. Was the Klan an appendage of the Republican Party? No, it was an appendage of the Democrat Party. And every major civil rights bill after the Civil War in the 50s and 60s was opposed by a significant percentage of elected Democrats and supported by the majority, a significant majority of elected Republicans. So I support reparations, but I do not support the way in which the Kamala Harris's of the world and the Elizabeth Warrens in the world want to pay for it. 
The American people through the tax system shouldn't pay for reparations. The Democrat Party should pay for reparations. The Democrat National Committee, all the state parties, the Democrats should pay reparations to the distant children of slaves. Because the Democrat Party, the Democrats, well after the founding of this nation, well after the Declaration and the Constitution, when the country was trying to make things right, it was the Democrats who fought it. So the Democrat Party is the entity that supported slavery as an institutional matter. We have individuals who had slaves, but they didn't necessarily support the institution per se. Some did, some didn't. But the Democrat Party did. And supported segregation. And supported Jim Crow, at least a significant percentage of it. Not Republicans, and not all Americans. And I might remind Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren and all the rest that we fought a civil war of over 700,000 casualties to put an end to slavery. So as a theoretical matter and a practical matter, I'm really against reparations because an awful lot of people lost their lives, including a lot of white people, trying to eliminate slavery. But if we're going to have it, then the perpetrators, the perps, they should pay for it. Now, the question needs to be put to Kamala Harris, or as she likes to be called now, Kamala Harris, and Elizabeth Warren. The question should be put to them, will they support their party that perpetuated slavery, segregation, and Jim Crow in the South? Will they support their party funding reparations? Not everybody, not the general taxpayer, but the perpetrator now. Let's take a look at a little history here. Let's take a look at a little history. Historynewsnetwork.org. Wayne Perryman. Just an inner city minister in Seattle, author of Unfounded Loyalty. He wrote an editorial that I think kind of hits the nail on the head. It says most people are either a Democrat by design or a Democrat by deception. That is, either they were well aware the racist history of the Democrat Party and still chose to be a Democrat, or they were deceived into thinking that the Democratic Party is a party that sincerely cared about black people. History reveals that every piece of racist legislation that was ever passed and every racist terrorist attack that was ever inflicted on African Americans as a group was initiated by the members of the Democratic Party. From the formation of the Democratic Party in 1792 to the Civil Rights Movement in the 1960s, congressional records show the Democrat Party passed no specific laws to help blacks. Every law that they introduced into Congress was designed to hurt blacks. In, 19, in, 1894, uh, in the 1894 Repeal Act, the Chronicles of History show that during the past 160 years, the Democratic Party legislated Jim Crow laws, black codes, and a multitude of other laws at the state and federal level to deny African Americans their rights as citizens. History reveals the Republican Party was formed in 1854 to abolish slavery and challenge other racist legislative acts initiated by the Democratic Party. 
Some called it the Civil War. Others, the war between the states. But to the African-American community at the time, it was the war between the Democrats and the Republicans over slavery. The Democrats gave their lives to expand it. Republicans gave their lives to end it. During the Senate debates on the Ku Klux Klan in 1871, it was revealed that members of the Democratic Party formed many terrorist organizations like the Klan to murder and intimidate African-American voters. The Ku Klux Klan Act was a bill introduced by a Republican Congress to stop Klan activities. Senate debates revealed that the Klan was the terrorist arm of the then Democratic Party. History reveals that Democrats lynched, burned, mutilated, and murdered thousands of blacks and completely destroyed entire towns and communities occupied by middle-class blacks, including Rosewood, Florida, the Greenwood District in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Wilmington, North Carolina, to name a few. After the Civil War, Democrats murdered and several hundred black elected officials in the South to regain control of Southern government. All the elected officials up to 1935 were Republicans. As of 2004, the Democratic Party, the oldest political party in America, has never elected a black man to the United States Senate. The Republicans have elected three. Now, of course, that's changed since this was written in 2004. But you get his point. History reveals it was Thaddeus Stevens, a radical Republican, that introduced legislation to give African-Americans the so-called 40 acres and a mule, and Democrats overwhelmingly voted against the bill. Today, many white Democrats are opposed to paying African-Americans trillions of dollars in reparation, money that should be paid by the Democratic Party. History reveals that it was abolitionists and radical Republicans such as Henry Morehouse and General Oliver Howard that started many of the traditional black colleges while Democrats fought to keep them closed. Many of our traditional black colleges are named after white Republicans. Congressional records show it was Democrats that strongly opposed the passage of the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments. These three amendments were introduced by Republicans to end slavery, give citizenship to all African Americans born in the U.S., and give blacks the right to vote. Congressional records show that Democrats were opposed to passing the following laws that were introduced by Republicans to achieve all civil rights, legally, for African Americans. Civil Rights Act of 1866, the Reconstruction Act of 1867, the Freedmen Bureau Extension Act of 1866, Enforcement Act of 1870, Force Act of 1871, Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871, Civil Rights Act of 1875, Civil Rights Act of 1957, Civil Rights Act of 1960. And during the 60s, many Democrats fought hard to defeat the 64 Civil Rights Act, the 65 Voting Rights Act, and more. Court records show that it was the Democrats that supported the Dred Scott decision. The decision classified blacks and property rather than people. It's also the racist Jim Crow practices initiated by Democrats that brought about two landmark cases of Plessy versus Ferguson and Brown versus Board of Education. Now, I can go on and on, ladies and gentlemen. There's a very deep and sickening record with the Democrat Party. In our history, wasn't the American people, wasn't all the American people. There was a civil war for a reason. There were two sides for a reason. There were two parties for a reason. And if reparations are to be paid, 
They should be paid by the perpetrator, the institutional perpetrator, the Democrat Party. Mark Lovin. The new congressional leadership is in town, but there's nothing new about what they're pushing. Big government, centralized government, iron-fisted government, higher taxes, more regulations, open borders. They're on a mission to obstruct our freedom and undermine our sovereignty. Yours, mine, all of ours. And too many representatives don't care. This is the nature of progressivism. It's an ideological poison. And the best way to fight it is with knowledge, information about liberty, about the Declaration, about the Constitution, and how Congress is supposed to work. It's up to we, the people, to understand what our government is and is not supposed to do. And that includes Congress. And thankfully, my good friends at Hillsdale College have brought back the powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress, and it's absolutely free. Please take advantage of this remarkable offer to equip yourself your family, your friends, your neighbors, with the knowledge that all of us should have about our Congress and our government generally. Hillsdale College is on a critical mission to restore liberty in our great country. And you can take their excellent online courses for free for a limited time. So sign up right now for this important course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't anymore so we can do something about it. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. not believe in letting the left and the Democrats off the hook. We need to take the fight to them. Want to talk about reparations? It is a perfect opportunity to expose the Democrat Party. Millions and millions of people have no idea about the history of the Democrat Party, which I only briefly discussed with you just a few minutes ago. But does anybody see an elected Republican, whether in the House or Senate, making the case? I'll even go further. Do you see many so-called news hosts allowing them to make the case? You'll hear on and on how now the new Democrat Party, and they'll, they'll use words and you know limit the history that you're allowed to discuss, really is the party of minorities because of this, because of that. But even now, they are not. They're the party of government. And they try to attract different groups of people because that's how they view human beings as a part of a group of people uh, into the the government complex, into the Leviathan. This is one of the reasons I think, you know, people attack the President of the United States when he'll reach in and he'll attack Spike Lee and others who attack him. And people will say, that's not presidential. Let me tell you what this president understands. He either understands it viscerally or he understands it intellectually. And either way, it doesn't matter. He understands that he has to reach into the culture to make his case. That's why he will deal with a Spike Lee and won't leave it to a surrogate or won't leave it alone. That's why he will deal with the media. That's why he will say things to individuals who are in different positions of responsibility different professions that past presidents have not because we've reached a point in this country where you have to. Where you have to. The conservative media in this country is a tiny fraction of a fraction of the entire media complex. You look at Fox. Fox can be conservative depending on the show you watch or it's not conservative, but that's not my point. You've got Fox. 
You've got other rather small enterprises, uh, and I mean small. Even uh, Blaze TV, CRTV, uh, Newsmax, people trying, competing, competing, which is very important as we get bigger and bigger. But they have major television networks. They have major news operations that we don't have and we can't control. And so, <laughs> excuse me, the most important voice in addressing the, the outrages of these entities is the President of the United States. The most important voice in dealing with some jackass at the Oscars is the President of the United States. So I don't view it as others do. Where, you know, if he'd only be quiet, he'd only let this one and that one and that one. If he were to be quiet, his numbers would be lower. His effectiveness would be zilch. And he believes, as I believe, you've got to take it to them. Now, coming full circle, let us have this discussion about reparations. Let us use it as an opportunity to teach history and tie it to modern events. Let us use it as an opportunity to talk about the political entity that promoted slavery and segregation and all the rest. Because a lot of people know nothing about it. It is an irony that you have Democrats running around talking about reparations. But what about their party? Their party has never officially apologized for slavery. Their party has never officially apologized for segregation. Their party has never officially apologized for Jim Crow, for opposing all kinds of civil rights legislation, for backing the Klan. Never. They've never apologized. Instead, it's America, you see. America did this, and America did that, and America did this. Well, a hell of a lot of Americans stood up and stopped it. And many of them lost their lives or limbs. It was Americans stopping other Americans. It was mostly Republicans stopping mostly Democrats. And Mark, you might say, you're being awfully crass about this. I'm not being crass about this. They need to be exposed for who they are and what they are. That's what's important. You've got a New York, uh, excuse me, a Washington Post article. Three 2020 Democrats say yes to race-based reparations, but remain vague on details. I'm not vague on details. The Democrat Party, all of its official institutions, should pay reparations. They should apologize and pay reparations. And let the Democrat Party figure out who gets what. Let them figure out who earnestly deserves and does not. Let them figure out how much they should get. Why is this a governmental thing? Why is this a taxpayer thing? Why should Republicans pay for this? Why should anybody pay for this whose ancestors weren't even here? Well, we owe it as a nation. No, we don't. They owe it as a party. They owe it as an institution. I'll be right back. I want to thank our sponsor, Hillsdale College, for all they do to try and maintain the greatness of America. You know, most colleges have enough trouble maintaining the greatness on their own campuses, and they have declined, and they have fallen into cultural rot. Not Hillsdale College. It's a special place. And now they reach out to all citizens of the country to spread the word of liberty, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, capitalism, all the great things that make America what she is today. And now that Congress is under new leadership, it already seems to be on a mission to thwart our liberty, doesn't it? Yours and mine. 
But too many representatives don't know how to preserve liberty, and too many of them don't care. We call them progressives. But I'm not interested in the progressives. I'm interested in you, we the people. It's up to we the people to retain what we have earned and to retain what we have received from our founding fathers. And our founding fathers counted on we the people to hold our government in check. And being able to do that means understanding the proper role of Congress. That's why for a limited time, my good friends at Hillsdale have brought their powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress back. Absolutely free to equip all of us to know what we should expect of our Congress. Hillsdale is on a mission to restore liberty like the rest of us. And you can take their excellent online course for free for a limited time. Sign up today for this critical course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't anymore. Learn about liberty, the Declaration, the Constitution. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. They keep talking about this Green New Deal. Have you noticed when even the most quacky of the quacks in the Democrat Party quack out something like Green New Deal, the media pick up the labeling like they're a marketing arm of the kooks on the left, and the media push it. And the media push it. So now the media talk about a Green New Deal, the way they talk about climate change. So here's... Kamala, or Kamala Harris, on CNN yesterday with the, well, with John King. Go ahead. Can we afford it? Of course we can afford it. Two and a half, three trillion dollars a year for Medicare for all by some studies. I don't, depending on which portions of the Green New Deal you pick to do first, that's money. Uh, that you know what the Republicans are going to say, tax and spend liberals, pie in the sky. By, by, by the way, why is it just the Republicans who are noticing that these are crazy ass numbers? that the Democrats want to spend. Can you imagine? Go ahead. One of the things that I admire and respect is the measurement that is captured in three letters, ROI. ROI? What's the return on the investment? People in the private sector understand this really well. All right, stop. What do they mean, what's the return on an investment? When you massively increase taxes and you confiscate the money that somebody has earned that they have spent their life, their intellectual and physical labor earning, that's not an investment. That's a seizure. That's confiscation. And so I will not allow them. You've got to do this, too. I will not allow them to get away with destroying the language. We're going to make an investment. No, you're stealing my money to advance your notion of, 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 uh, of the way the country should function. You're stealing my money and giving it to somebody else through the hands of bureaucrats. That's not an investment. Go ahead. It's not about a cost. It's about an investment. And then the question should be... So, see, that's it. Hey, don't worry about the cost. Look, it's not a cost. It's an investment. What's the problem? It's not a cost and it's an investment. Big deal. Go ahead. Is it worth the cost in terms of the investment potential? Are we going to get back more than we put in? Are we? She doesn't have the foggiest idea. She's a nitwit. All these leftists are nitwits. They make these proposals and they know nothing. Speaking of nitwits, we have this Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, which the media, she's a media creation. She's an absolute idiot. She won a fluke of an election. She's an absolute idiot. And they keep promoting this fool. 
Now, what does she think? The Green New Deal. Go ahead. And I read it and I was like, you know what? I don't care anymore. I don't care anymore. Because, again, I'm at least trying and they're not. So the power is in the person who's trying, regardless of the success. If you're trying, you've got all the power. You're driving the agenda. You're doing all this stuff. Like I just introduced Green New Deal two weeks ago, and it's creating all of this conversation. Why? Because no one else has even tried. Because no one else has even tried. So people are like, oh, it's unrealistic. No one else has even tried. First of all, why would they? Secondly, that's BS. This movement, the, they, they just gave it a new name, the Green New Deal. They gave it that name so it's attractive to you. Well, look at that. It's green, it's new, and it's a deal. Oh, a Green New Deal. And look, the New Deal gave us Social Security. And, and, and I, I really thought, I like it. It sounds great. The Green New Deal reminds me of Franklin Roosevelt. It must be swell. Let me tell you what they used to call it. They used to call it Marxism. Let me tell you what else they used to say about it. They used to say that they want to push this green movement, not for clean air, clean water. We have relatively clean air and clean water now. They'll never stop with that. No, no, no. It's an attack on private property rights. And they, but that wasn't enough. Now it's a full-scale attack on capitalism. But that's not enough. Now it's a full-scale attack on your way of life. On your way of life. The phrases they use when you're not around that they use in their little closed-door seminars is America is over-industrialized. Clever, huh? We're over-industrialized. And what do you do about an over-industrialized society? These are their words, not mine. You degrowth it. You've heard about growing an economy? Well, you degrowth the American economy. It's over-industrialized, so you degrowth it. And they have used this notion of the environment and green and air and water as nothing more than front arguments for their ultimate purpose. We know this because they've told us this. I've written about it. But the media, of course, perpetuates this, and they will never help us expose it. This is the red movement that's gone green. Hello. I said this years ago. It's the old red movement that's dressed up as the new green movement. Now, that's why they're pushing this moron. Because she's not the 77-year-old Bernie Sanders who supported Castro, who supported Ortega, who supported the old Soviet Union, who supports Maduro. They can pour their agenda through her mouth, through her actions. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez... And she's young enough to be appealing to many young people. She is a basic, a mannequin through whom they push their agenda. If we were living in a rather normal situation in this country right now, she would be dismissed as a buffoon. But she's not dismissed as a buffoon because they need her. Not because she's smart, because she's stupid. But she's a good face, age, person. For the agenda, as opposed to an old red. She's a new green. Go ahead. It's vague. Oh, it doesn't address this little minute thing. And I'm like, 
You try. <laughs> you do it. Right. Because you're not. Because you're not. So until you do it, I'm the boss. That's How right. about that? Until you do what? Now let's sit back and think about this insanity for a moment. In other words, let's bring some mature, rational, sober thinking to this. First, they claim they would change every single building to make it climate change, what, efficient? Every single building. Now, I want you to think about this. Who's going to be in charge? We're going to have federal agents, federal officers, federal zoning officials, Federal inspectors. Now just think about that alone, the number of people involved and the destruction of local and state authority (coughs) and the destruction of private property. So keep in mind, all those things are destroyed, never to return again. So you've now federalized decision-making on private property, the home. I remember a day when they said, the government must stay out of the bedroom. Now they want the government in the bedroom through the excuse of green in the environment. And where are all these people going to come from? Are they going to drag them out of the private sector? Who's going to pay for all these? Just one little aspect of this. Okay. Now, how do we make homes, apartment buildings, businesses, and everything in between, how do we make them climate change efficient? Who decides what that means? What does that mean? Does that mean you have to change the electrical wiring? Does it mean you have to change the plumbing? Does it mean you have to you have to adjust the roof and have solar panels? Does it mean you have to do something to the siding? What exactly does that mean? And doesn't that open the door to government control over your registers and over your your thermostats and over your HVAC system? Of course it does. Well, how does the government control that? seems to me it's going to be a rather aggressive police state. And will all these people work for the government or be compelled to be independent contractors of some sort to the government? How is this going to work? Where do the materials come from? Excuse me. Who pays for the materials? I'm just talking about your home and your place of work now. I'm not even talking about everything else that's out there. Automobiles, trucks. Airplanes, helicopters, tractors, farmland. Who knows? But it's all intended to give power to the government that the government was never envisioned to have, period. That's what this is. This is the iron fist of Marxism and pseudo-fascism. That's what it is. With a 29-year-old illiterate rambling on to take the punch the gut punch out of it. Oh, well, you know, she wouldn't be that. You know, she's not like Bernie. I mean, she's, she's you know, young. She's, uh, she's smart. And, and there's an urgency. to You've got to do it right away. There's always an urgency to what the left wants to do. Why? Because they don't want you to take your time to think things through, to ask questions. No, urgent. We're all going to be dead in 12 years. Hurry up. Remember the ocean was going to rise? That was 10 years ago. It's going to rise. And then, my God. And look at the hurricanes. We've always had hurricanes. And look at the fires. We've always had fires. Look at the drought. We've always had drought. 
Carbon dioxide is the enemy, you see. Global warming, climate change, it's carbon dioxide. It's too bad it sounds like carbon monoxide. For instance, if you put your mouth around a, uh, the exhaust in your automobile, you're not going to live. You're going to die. That's carbon monoxide that kills you. So I strongly discourage you from doing it. Carbon dioxide, every time you exhale, you create carbon dioxide. You are exhaling carbon dioxide. Every time you go to the bathroom and do what they say cows do, you create carbon dioxide. Every living creature creates carbon dioxide when they exhale, that is, that travel the earth, the land masses. And that's a good thing. Why? Because all those plants you like, they need carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is oxygen to plants. The great redwoods, grass, whatever you, you know, plants. Green stuff, green. And they need carbon dioxide to survive and to thrive and expand. And through photosynthesis, they create what? Oxygen. Carbon dioxide effectively creates oxygen through plant life. If we didn't have any carbon dioxide, we'd be dead. They talk about greenhouse gases. Oh, my God, they're pollution. Greenhouse gases are not pollution. They include stuff like condensation. What's that? Water and carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is not a pollutant. It's never been a pollutant. Hello? Carbon dioxide is not a pollutant. It doesn't dirty your water or dirty the air. And I've used this example before. I'd used it in Liberty and Tyranny years ago, and I want to use it again. Assume the atmosphere, which is a greenhouse effect. Assume the atmosphere consists totally of 100,000 seats in a stadium. Four of those seats would represent carbon dioxide. Fewer than four of those would represent the effects of human behavior on carbon dioxide. In other words, if they control the entire United States, all production, all wealth, they eliminate all red meat, the effect of temperature, climate, the environment would be de minimis. This is about stealing your liberty. Maybe we should call it freedom of the press. Then maybe the media will actually understand that they should be with us rather than the rest. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it appears that the new congressional leadership is on a course to impede our liberty, your liberty and mine and the future liberty of your children and your grandchildren. Many of our representatives simply don't understand or care about the critical imperative to preserve our liberty. And it would seem that some of these so-called progressives actually seek to kill it. And these progressives are quite unlikely to understand or learn these things, which is why we have to. We need to overcome them. Our founding fathers counted on we the people to hold our government in check and be being able to do that means understanding the proper role of Congress. Now, to help us understand this critical issue for a limited time, 
My friends at Hillsdale College have brought their powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress back, absolutely free, to equip all of us to know what we should expect of our Congress. I encourage you to check out this course, but not just you, your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors. Spread the word of liberty like Hillsdale College is. Hillsdale is on an important mission to restore liberty in our great country. And for a limited time... You can take their excellent and enlightening online courses for free. I urge you to sign up right now for this critical course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't work anymore. Learn more about liberty. Spread the word. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Ladies and gentlemen, who is the person in the United States that has more control over spending bills than any other person in the United States? The Speaker of the House of Representatives. These spending bills, budget bills, appropriation bills, whatever you want to call them. They're initiated in the House of Representatives. That's how the Constitution works. So they, they come out of the House. Now, unlike the Senate with the filibuster rule and all, the Speaker has enormous power, particularly when it's Nancy Pelosi. She wields a lot of power and she likes it. She's sort of the Eva Peron of American politics. So she decides what bill will come up. She decides what spending will take place. And then that goes to the Senate and they muck around with maybe they'll send it back or they'll have some kind of uh, joint committee that'll play with. Then it goes to the president. The president cannot change the bill. He either signs it or he vetoes it. He either signs it or he They vetoed it. He vetoes it. He hasn't vetoed anything yet. So the fact of the matter is, it's likely if something gets to his desk, he's going to sign it. Now, we're told we need 10 years of President Trump's tax returns to see if he is playing fair, if he's kosher, if you will, to my Palestinian friends, to see if he's kosher. That is... To see if he's operating in the best interests of the United States or some foreign country. Now, first of all, that is an outrageous claim to begin with, since there's never been and isn't any evidence that he's ever done otherwise. And there's a ton of evidence that the Democrats have. Over decade, 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 including Nancy Pelosi, who you may recall, went to see Assad, the old man, in Syria, they had what back then was called the Gang of Eight, and she was negotiating, conducting foreign policy against the uh, interests of the United States because the President of the United States had asked her not to do it, and she did it anyway. The President was George W. Bush. There was another speaker who did something like that. Jim Wright went down to Nicaragua, and he started negotiating there. And Reagan was furious, and he said, well, screw you. I'm the speaker. I've got power, separation of powers. I have my own branch of government. I'll do what I want to do. So the Democrats do this all the time. Or Ted Kennedy, who was uh, working with the KGB to try and defeat Reagan in his 1984 re-election, which turned out great because Reagan won 49 states, 
massive, massive electoral victory in every respect. But Nancy Pelosi, you see, it seems to me, if anybody's going to release 10 years of tax returns, it should be her. And here's a piece in CNS News. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi will gladly release her tax returns if and when she runs for president. Isn't that clever? Said her chief of staff, Drew Hamill, apparently indicating that in Pelosi's current position as speaker, she will not release her tax returns. When CNSNews.com repeatedly followed up and asked Hamill to directly confirm that Pelosi's speaker would not release her tax returns, he didn't respond. He didn't respond. Now, she turns 79 next month. She's not announced that she's running for president in 2020. Now, she comes from San Francisco, a sanctuary city, and she claims to represent the American. The American people want transparency, she says. How the hell does she know what the American people want? But we want transparency with her. CNSNews.com has been trying for two weeks by email and telephone to get a direct answer from Speaker Pelosi on this tax return question. Because she's pushing H.R. 1, that's how important it is, that would require the president and vice president to release their tax returns. And she's third in line to be president of the United States, Speaker of the House. Now, H.R. 1 would actually do more. Uh, It would require the president and vice president to release their current tax return and the returns from the last uh, nine years. It states, with respect to each taxable year for an individual who is the president or vice president, not later than the due date for the return of the tax for the taxable year, such individual shall submit to the Federal Election Commission a copy of the individual's income tax returns for the taxable year and for the nine preceding years. First of all, that's outrageous. And secondly, if it's to apply to the president, it should absolutely apply to her. But it does more than that. Her H.R. 1 bill would require candidates running for president and vice president to release their tax returns. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I know this is quaint. The Constitution provides the qualifications to be a candidate for president. Congress cannot change that by a statute. She wants to change it. She's got to get enough votes in the House and the Senate, but supermajorities get it to the states where they have to also ratify with super-duper majority, 38 states. That's not going to happen. So she will violate the Constitution, which they claim to defend, and really they're, they're the great patriots of our time, by saying if you want to run for president or vice president, you have to release your tax returns. Who says? Constitution does it. Well, we say we passed a statute. See, one Congress, Congress lasts for two years. Then you have the next Congress. That's why they give them numbers the 100 and this, the 200 and that. That's why you can't change it with a statute. Whether Nancy Pelosi likes it or not, this is the irony of the attacks on Trump and so forth. So she would violate the Constitution in order to claim that Trump should release his tax or any candidate in the future. It's just like the National Securities Emergencies Act of 1976. You got 50 hacks. Most of them are hacks. National security experts who say this is not a national security situation, not an emergency on the southern border. You got General Doofus, Admiral Doofus. You got 
this is a border security issue where this president as commander-in-chief, his cabinet, his generals, his border patrol chief, his ICE chief, his immigration chief think it is. And they get to make that decision. We're going to take him to court, says the left, says Pelosi, says uh, we're going to sue and the courts will decide. Well, now see what I mean? This is a policy issue, if not a political issue, that's to be resolved by the elected branches. They don't believe in separation of powers. It's our way or the highway. So they want a court to intervene, one of these Obama hack judges or a rhino judge, and ultimately the Supreme Court, the four leftists and Roberts, to say to the president of the United States, we and our law clerks have decided there's not an emergency down there. We've never been down there. We don't go down there, not during the summer when we have three months off. We're not down there. We're never going to be down there. We don't have to live down there. We don't know what the hell's going on. We don't run the cabinet. You know, we don't. Do, but we will substitute our opinion because we sat around on a conference table. We ate uh, bologna sandwiches uh, with mayonnaise and uh, our clerks and us. And we decided that uh, this is what we want to do. Now, they have no problem with that, with the courts intervening where the courts shouldn't intervene. The president decides if it's a national emergency. That's the way the separation of powers works. That's the way the statute works. He's operating under a statute. And like Obama with DACA. And you would think he's abusing his power. We've never, ever seen anything like this in our lives. My God, look how he's abused. And, uh, and all Nancy Pelosi, of all people, <laughs> we're not acting as Democrats <laughs> or Republicans. We're acting as patriots. <laughs> no, you're not, you idiot. And you are an idiot. But for you, that wall would be under construction or whatever the physical barrier is, which we desperately need. But you put us in this position. They're anti-wall. I don't get it, except when it's around their homes, around the Capitol building. They get all the protection. But when it comes to the American people, open borders. Open borders. We want open borders. I don't want open borders. No, we want open borders. All about politics. California's gone. The Democrats couldn't even win California 30 years ago. New York's gone. New York, we had a fighting chance. I mean, Reagan won New York. He won New Jersey. Not anymore. You see the Southwest going, New Mexico. You see Nevada going. Arizona's about to go. Colorado's gone. Virginia's gone. I mean, you can't win the presidency unless you get an inside straight royal flush. Is there such a thing, Mr. Producer? Whatever. So uh, that's the problem. And that's why they're going to continue to do this. Meanwhile, when it comes to tax returns, I think we should continue to demand Paul and Nancy Pelosi's tax returns, ladies and gentlemen. Remember what I said at the beginning of the show? You have to look for opportunities to make your case, to put things right, to take on the left and their idiocy, their craziness, to take them on. They want rap- reparations? Great. They should pay for them on the Democrat Party. They created the circumstances in the first place. If you, uh, you want your Green New Deal, well, let's talk about the Green New Deal. And let's get specific about exactly how that's supposed to work. You want to talk about uh, 
Tax returns. Well, let's talk about tax returns, Nancy. Where are yours? Well, if I run for president. No, 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 no. We want the speaker and every other member of the House of Representatives and the Senate. I'm, I'm quite serious about this. To release 10 years of their tax returns. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Green New Deal that the cost doesn't matter. It's ROI, we're told. Return on investment. So the cost doesn't matter. Of course the cost doesn't matter because it's it's incalculable. Rob, Walnut, Ohio, Sirius Satellite, a trucker. How are you, sir? I am fine, sir. Honored to speak with you. Thank you. The cost the cost of converting 23 housing projects in New York just to LED light bulbs is $33 million. What about the ROI? There is no ROI. Of course not. It's so stupid. It's out of our pockets. Yes. The, the, you know, I'm former military. If you want to see Medicare for all, you want to see government-run health care, look no further than the VA. That's such a great success story. And then, lastly, I think these young Hold people... Hold on, I want, I want to ask you a question before we move to the young people. If Social Security is such a great deal, why aren't members of Congress required to participate? Exactly. If Obamacare is such a great deal, why aren't members of Congress required to participate? He doesn't care. He hold doesn't on now, hold on now. If pension plans are so great, why does Congress have its own pension plan? I think members of Congress should be compelled to do to themselves what they do to the rest of us, don't you? I think that when they get done with serving in Congress, they should have no pension. (laughs) Well, that's not going to happen. But uh, at a minimum, they shouldn't have a separate pension system. They should get Social Security. If they want to invest in IRAs or 401ks like the rest of us, fine. But it's very, very few companies today, certainly small businesses, that offer these defined pension plans. I mean, those are really old school, or maybe unions have in some contracts, but the vast majority of the American people don't have them. Do you have one? No, sir, I do not. Of course not. So why should Congress have one? They shouldn't. No, they shouldn't. No, they should live like the rest of us, that they impose these things on us, and and worse, as a matter of fact. What was your last point, Rob? Uh, I think young people are in favor of a lot of this stuff, the socialism crap, because they don't have to pay for anything, haven't had to pay for anything. Mom and dad or government loans have provided them with an education, a place to live, and when they start hearing free, they think that's wonderful. I I, I also think there's another reason. They don't hear the alternative. And these colleges, do they have classes on capitalism? No, they don't. Do they have classes on private property rights and what, mean, what that means or natural law or, or, or Aristotle? Or, I mean, do they have any of these things? I don't, I don't believe so. I've tried to teach my own children the, the, the value of it. Two of them served in the military also. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're, That's they're, quite they're, a family you have, kids. sir. That's wonderful. All right. Be safe out there. Thank you, sir. Truckers. What would we do without truckers? We'd starve to death. 
I wonder what happens to them under the, the Green New Deal. I wonder what happens to 18-wheel trucks. We won't need them anymore. What will we have? I mean, what, what amazes me here is this is the anti-science, anti-technology, anti-liberty party on the Democrat side. People are really willing and able to regress. To regress. I guess so. I guess so. All right. Let us go to Arlen. Helena Montana, the great KJJR. Go ahead. <clears throat> on the show, Mark. What's that? So thank you for having me on the show. You got it. Yeah, I just wanted to say uh, I'm an enrolled Native American. I'm a Republican. Well, and well, I right, let me well, let me just what is an enroll? I don't know what that means. Oh, uh, you have to if you can uh, proof a certain amount of blood quantum in your system, you can then enroll into an, an American tribe. How much blood quantum do you have? I have a quarter of uh, the tribe that I'm in and a quarter of a, another tribe, but I'm not enrolled in that tribe. Each tribe has their own rules in regards to how much you can and can't be to be enrolled in their tribe. Okay. So what was it, a grandparent then? Yeah, a grandparent, yep. Okay, go ahead. My grandparent was a full-blooded black free. Yeah, I can make a lot of arguments against reparations, but I think it's most important to uh, get to my, my main point, and that is, you know, when can we all just be Americans? You know, why we always got to qualify what kind of American we are. You go, you go to France, and you find a black man, and you say, what's your nationality? He's going to say, I'm African-French. He's going to say, I'm French. I you with Russia, you. Same thing. We, we got we to focus more on being Americans and, and, and what that means, and then we all need to join together and have a little bit more pride. And I'm not talking about nationalism. I'm talking about just we need to be Americans, and we need to be strong. You're, you're talking about Americanism. Yes, sir. And I could not agree more. <clears throat> My point is to mock them, and we need to do that. We need to expose their party. And that party has created a lot of division in this country, and it still is. You can see them on TV, either dressed up as anchor people and journalists or these phony experts from academia, and it is endless. Racism, racism, racism. It's really, it's very sad, because in most streets in America, that's not the way people speak. I live in a community that is mostly white, but I came here first. I don't know who was going to come behind me. And yet there are minorities, you know, here, there, so forth and so on. Everybody just talks to everybody. It's just, it's just not, it's, it's just not this constant hate and bickering and anything of the sort. Mm-hmm. Just wonderful, wonderful neighbors from all walks of life, and and even the quote unquote white people. I don't know where they're from. What do I care where they're from? Guy down the street, Alex. He's an African American. Only problem I have with Alex is he's a Giants fan. That I don't get. Do you do you get that? <laughs> I don't get that either. No. Yeah, I do want to say about this soon in the, the Green New Deal. It reminds me of my son. He says, Dad, how come we can't just fly up to the stars? And I say, well, my son, it's just not that easy. It's not. And don't use wax wings to fly to the sun either. Somebody tried that once and it didn't work. I'll be right back. Yeah! Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. 
Just read the Nutrition Facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now, you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. Talk back to your radio? Then you must be listening to Mark Levin. Pick up the phone and call 877-381-3811. couple of uh, questions, kind of out of the left field, but been thinking about them, and there's really no perfect way to insert them into the program. This guy Machado is a great baseball player. He just signed a contract with San Diego, $300 million for 10 years. By my calculation, that averages out to $30 million a year. Now, if Kamala Harris or Elizabeth Warren or any of the Marxists were running the, any of these, uh, these leagues, how could you pay one guy $30 million or $300 million over 10 years when other guys are earning much less than that? That's not fair, is it, Mr. Producer? Well, you might say, well, now, well, they perform, they bring in a lot more money. Well, that's exactly how capitalism works. That's how business works. Some businesses make a lot more money than others. Some fail. Some succeed beyond one's imagination. Is that fair? We just heard from AOC that any dollar over $10 million should be taxed at 70 to 90%. So should Machado's dollars... Beyond $10 million, $20 million a year be taxed at 70 to 90%. What do you think he would think about that? Now, I ask this question because liberalism is widespread in sports, in athletics. The players, the sportscasters, even many of the owners, not all of them, it's a little more conservative, but some of them, you know. It's very loose views and morals, at least one of them. But anyway, so my question is. Many of these uh, team members and so forth who won't go to the White House, many of them who claim to be liberal, many of them who claim to be social justice warriors, although I don't see a hell of a lot of that. What about this? When the rubber hits the road, when it affects your finances, do you agree that every dollar after their first $10 million you earn should be taxed at 70 to 90%? Do you also agree with a wealth tax, which is what's being pushed to, that Everything you've earned, a certain percentage of that should be taken by the federal government each and every year. What do you say, LeBron? Do you agree with that? Of course they would never agree to that. Why is sports untouchable, but every other part of our society is not? We have these rich people who take, well, we have rich football players, baseball players, especially basketball. You got guys making 40, 45 million dollars a year. Now, I don't begrudge it. I could care less. I don't care if they make $4 billion a year. I mean, if they put the league out of business, that's not my problem. But I'm saying, for all these social justice warriors, is it a problem? By the way, I'm very excited about it. It's been a very tough six or eight months around the Levin household. It really has, I've told you. But there's something I'm very excited about. I am 90% done my book. I've had to stop writing it for a period of time, but I will write it to about 3 in the morning, 3.30 in the morning. After a brief break, after my radio program, I'll write it all weekend long if I'm here. 
I'm 90% done. This is not a heavy book in terms of philosophy. It's not a heavy book in terms of, uh, you know, uh, what I'm trying to say is it's going to flow very easily, just like liberty and tyranny. And I think you're going to love it because it does apply to what's going on today. And it has history sprinkled in with uh, current events, sprinkled in with some philosophy, sprinkled in with... I, I, I really think you're going to love this book. I can't... I'm not allowed to say anymore. I know it's ridiculous. And the reason they don't want me to say anymore is because there's so many backbenchers out there. I can't even give you the title yet. And the title is very exciting. It's very cool. Ayacoca. No, I'm just kidding. He already wrote his book. But it is a very, very exciting book. I, I have actually very much enjoyed working on it to the extent I could enjoy anything in the last six or eight months. And after this program, I'm going to grab a bite, and then I'm going to uh, get right back to it. And uh, I think those of you who are interested in getting my books, I think you're going to be, you're going to find it not only really interesting, you're going to learn a lot. And it'll be applicable to what's going on today. That's all I'm allowed to, I can't say anymore. Don't be mad at me. This is the way publishing works today. And I understand it. You know, if you owe the IRS back taxes, you're no stranger to anxiety. And it's justified because the IRS can take your paycheck and your bank accounts, even your home or your business. Now, here's your lifeline, Optima Tax Relief. Optima knows that tax problems can affect anyone, contractors, truckers, small business owners, teachers, you name it. And Optima knows that behind every tax problem are families with paychecks, savings, and homes that need to be protected. But Optima can't help if you don't call. Imagine no more demand letters, no more threatening calls, and no agents showing up at your home or office. Now take a deep breath and relax. Optima's got you. Optima has resolved over a billion dollars in tax debt for their clients. They're experts in IRS Fresh Start Initiative, and they're the folks I trust to end your IRS nightmare. They've been with us a long time, and there's a reason. Because they're good at what they do, and they are the best. Call Optima Tax Relief for a free, confidential consultation. Call 800-499-6300, 800-499-6300. That's 800-499-6300. Now, I don't know if you've seen this Instagram of uh, Ocasio lecturing us about uh, the Green New Deal. And she appears to be cooking. Have you seen this one, Mr. Producer? She's cooking and she's doing this and that. And then suddenly it's like she gets a big knife, almost like a butcher's knife. And she's hitting and she's pushing and she's, what is she doing? Dissecting a human body or something? And she's rambling like a mental patient. I'm saying, what what the hell's happened to this country? Scary, stupid. What's taking place here? Scary, stupid. And she's the intellectual leader of the Democrat Party and the media, I might add. Ken, Pittsburgh, Kansas. Sirius Satellite, a vet. Go, sir. Mark, how are you doing? Well, thank you, my friend. 
<laughs> hey, so uh, I got out of 28 years uh, of military service. I've been deployed three times. Which branch? And I'm here to tell you. Uh, the Army and the Marine Corps. I was in the Marine Corps first, and then I, I transferred into the Army. Wow. Very cool. Thank you, yeah. sir. Thank you. So I'm a full-time college student now, and yeah. you would be – you have no idea how liberal these professors are. Uh, your book, my, my political science professor would argue that since you're a conservative, you simply make all your arguments based on mythos and never logos. And that – Sounds pretty stupid out to me. Well, it, it was, and I was uh, particularly struck that in order to explain this, he had to use pathos. Uh, but, but God forbid he knew what he was doing on that. And he's tenured. He'll be there for life. It's like a judge. Oh, he's been there for 20-something years. Absolutely. And these kids are just buying it, Mark, hook, line, and sinker, because they, they, they think he's credible. They appreciate his arguments. He's compassionate about what he's saying. But he's absolutely wrong, and he will not adjust to anything. He will not. We, we, as, we have to really figure out, and, you know, one book at a time. But one day i got to write about this. I've talked about it. We really have to put our minds collectively, folks, together and figure out what to do about these colleges and universities. I'm not talking about government control or anything like that. We've got to break up this this uh, ideological monopoly that exists on campuses and in colleges as a whole, with very few exceptions. We are subsidizing this through tuition. We are subsidizing it through our federal and state tax dollars. We're subsidizing Marxist, hardcore leftists and, get, and their tenure. We're paying for them to live their lives that they live and, uh, and to push the propaganda that they push. We have lost complete control of our universities and colleges. They do not believe in academic freedom. They do not believe in free speech. And, uh, I mean, they're, they're like the last vestiges of the old Soviet Union. And we have got to figure out how to address this. Uh, we really do. You know, I have a neighbor, a very good friend. His son is terrific. And they just went up to Harvard. You know, he interviewed. He may well wind up going to Harvard. And, and, I, and I said to my friend, you know, you got to make sure he's going to stand fast. And I think he will. But a lot of these kids go into places like that, and they come out, you know, like uh, this uh, AOC. Uh, yeah, she's she's amazing. It, it is, uh, you know, and, and she is very popular with these young kids. They see her and they, they relate and, and they're just, they're buying. Sure, because she is a cartoon figure. Yes. And she's she's a she's a human cartoon, cartoon figure. And the yeah. media have, have celebrated her. So now she is a cartoon figure in a increasingly superficial culture with a hardcore left-wing media promoting her. Tell me, tell me, is there a young, is there a young conservative in Congress that they, they even know about, thanks to the media? There's not one. No, no, they 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 like to talk about uh, the uh, former Speaker of the House quite a bit, uh, and, and uh, uh, say that he spoke on on behalf of conservatism. And I try to tell him he's the least thing from conservative. The budget exploded under Paul Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. The spending exploded under Paul Ryan. He's got a lot of explaining to do. All right, my friend, thank you for your service, Marines and, and the Army. That's pretty cool. Ofer in Dallas, Texas, the great WBAP. Go. Yes, sir. I'm one of your fans here in Dallas country wishing you would come and do a book signing here. Well, you never know. But, I mean, i got to finish it. It's got to get published, but you never know. We're hoping. The other yes. day you talked about what's the differences between the U.S. now and at its founding. 
And I think it's important to mention that since the founding, we've had 240-year track record of improving our society, improving the world when possible, and leading through liberty, middle-class success, and the, the, the capital of invention and patent uh, technology that we've led the world with. And I think it's very important to talk about the track record and the society we've built through the limited government we had a majority of our 240 years. And it's only the last 30 or 40 that the boot of government is coming down on business. Well, it's quite, you're quite right. And what they'll do is point to the people who have failed, point to the people who are struggling. And uh, the great thing about America is people who have failed and people who are struggling do not have to remain failures and don't always have to struggle. In other countries, failure and struggling is mainstreamed. It's not so in America. All right, my friend. Very good call. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, I want you to read between the lines. Really. Turn your volume up, please. There's a reason why I want you to do what I'm asking you here. I want you to download the infrastructure so you can listen to my podcast anytime, anyplace, anywhere. You can listen to this show. You can listen to this show anytime, anywhere, any place, directly. I want you to go to marklevinshow.com. That's my main radio site, marklevinshow.com. On that page, right, Mr. Producer? On the top right-hand corner, you enter the keyword podcast. You go from there, you download the Mark Levin app, and you will have access to my radio show anytime, anywhere, anyplace. And after I do it on the air, what, it's available, what, about an hour later, Rich? About an hour later. So you can listen to it later in the night or the afternoon. You can listen to it the next day, but then you'll have access to it. It's absolutely free. We're not charging you anything. You've got some of these podcasters who charge you a subscription fee or whatever. I I don't get into that. I'm telling you, if you want to download this, please listen to me. Now is the time to do it. Please listen to me. Now is the time to do it. I can see when I'm older and I'm retired from radio doing a podcast from time to time, by the way. Not yet. I've got many years left on my contract. But what I'm saying is it's very important to have this available to you. So go to marklevinshow.com. That's my website. Look at the top right corner of the page where you can do a search. The keyword would be podcast. Can't be any simpler. P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And then from there, we will tell you what to do. It's easy, step-by-step. You'll be done in 30 seconds, 20 seconds. 20 seconds. marklevinshow.com. Enter the word podcast as the keyword in the upper right corner on the page. And then within 20 or 30 seconds, you'll have what you need. The Mark Levin app. <clears throat> we spent a lot of time on trying to perfect that app, trying to perfect the podcast too. So I want to strongly encourage you to uh, to go ahead and do it now. While you can. While you can. 
Now, do you wish that double chin would disappear? Are those bags and puffiness getting a little worse every day? Listen to Robin S. from Lubbock, Texas. I put that jawline cream on my neck like two or three days ago. That is the best my neck has looked in over 20 years. These are real people. Several people told me my face looks young. I am blown away. Now, with Genesis natural activities and pure antioxidant base with no parabens, no chemical scents, no pharmaceutical preservatives, it's the clean luxury your skin deserves every day. Click or call right now, and the Genesis jawline treatment is yours absolutely free just for ordering the classic Genesis plant stem cell therapy for bags and puffiness. Call 800-SKIN-604 or go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. With Chamonix's 100% money-back guarantee. Hello? 100% money-back guarantee. You only have the bags, wrinkles, and double chin to lose. Call now while three-day shipping is still free. 800-SKIN-604. 800-SKIN-604. Or go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. Okay, let's take another call here. But we've had a pretty full board all day here. Mike, Glendora, California, the great 870 The Answer, KRLA, where we are live and national. Go. Wow, am I ever impressed. Live and national. Listen, yes, yes. Uh, Mark, I would like somebody to, to call Ocasio on our absurdity of these ideas about the 70%. Well, we used to have a saying that says your Uncle Sam is glad to hear you got a raise. Well, Auntie, Auntie Aok is also glad to hear you got a raise. I would like somebody to challenge uh, Aok to go up to Manny Machado and say, listen, you just got a $30 million paycheck. Um, on that $20 million above the 10, we want, I want, $14 million uh, for our purposes, and you will be left with six. Right. So you're 30, so you're $30 million, is really not even not even half based on the taxes up to the ten million, but somebody's got to call her on this absurdity. And remember, you're still out there. You're going to be taxed at over thirteen percent the state income tax. Exactly. So by the but, time you're done, uh, you know deductions here or there won't matter. You're paying you're paying uh, eighty eighty five percent on that. Every dollar beyond the uh, $10 million, you're actually paying a lot more on the earlier dollars, too. But if we just point at that, uh, and I just want to know if all these athletes, many of whom are liberal, many of whom vote Democrat, many of whom love Obama and love AOC and love the left, uh, what do you think about that? If somebody's got a caller on it and say, listen, you know, you athletes, this is what she wants. She wants, you know, $14 million of your of your $30 million contract. You know, for her little things. And now, and the same with these uh, clowns that do these pretend movies all the time. Same with them, these actors and actresses. Absolutely worthless. Thanks for your call, my friend. The Oscars aren't what they used to be. I remember watching that as a kid with my parents. I would never put my kids through that. They don't watch it either. I'll be right back.
If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. You know, uh, these judges are utterly out of control. So much that is supposed to be in control is out of control, isn't it? San Diego Union Tribune. A federal judge ruled that a men-only draft is unconstitutional. But he stopped short of ordering the Selective Service to register women for military service. The Houston judge, Texas sided with a San Diego men's advocacy group that challenged the government's practice of having only men sign up for the draft, citing sex discrimination in violation of the Fifth Amendment's Equal Protection Clause. This case balances on the tension between the constitutionally enshrined power of Congress to raise armies and the constitutional mandate that no person be denied equal protection of the law, wrote U.S. District Judge Gray Miller of the Southern District of Texas. The lawsuit was filed in 2013 against the Selective Service System by Texas resident James Lesmeister, who later added San Diego resident Anthony Davis and the San Diego-based National Coalition for Men as additional plaintiffs. The two men had standing to sue the government because they were within the age range of 18 to 26, in which men in the United States were required to register with Selective Service. Their lawyer, Mark Angelucci, is very proud of the decision. Forcing only males to register is an aspect of socially institutionalized male disposability and helps reinforce the stereotypes that support discrimination against men in other areas, such as divorce, child custody, and domestic violence, he said. Women are now allowed in combat, so this decision is long overdue. After decades of sex discrimination against men in the Selective Service, the courts have finally found it unconstitutional to force only men to register. Now, the government asked the judge to dismiss the suit or stay a decision until a national commission studying the issue of women's draft registration reaches a recommendation. The judge noted that could take years, and of course the judge is in a hurry. 
And even then, Congress isn't required to follow the commission's findings. Where to begin? Okay, let me begin at the beginning. There are men and there are women. There are two sexes. If people want to rearrange their genitalia or do weird stuff with their genitalia, that doesn't mean we create new categories. That's number one. I would tell uh, the great Senator Gillibrand from New York, really a dummy. So that's a fact, whether the left likes it or not. You either have one of those or you don't. You have the other one or you don't. That's the way it is. That's the way it's supposed to be. The good Lord made that decision. And just because there's surgeons out there with sharp scalpels, uh, that, uh, that doesn't change a damn thing. And count me in with Martina Navarro. How do you pronounce it? Do you know who I'm talking about, Rich? No, nobody can pronounce it. I'm with her on this one. Martina will just say. Now, as for combat, I don't want women in combat. I don't want my daughter in combat. I wouldn't want my wife in combat. I don't want my granddaughter in combat. Why? Why? For several reasons. And this is why in most, not all, but most societies throughout the history of mankind, and womankind, I may add, uh, women were not in combat unless they was absolutely necessary to be so. Uh, men are stronger physically. I'm sorry. It's just true. That doesn't mean there aren't women out there who are stronger than some men. Who cares? That has nothing to do with it. We're talking about the general nature of things. Talking about the rule, not the exception. And too often in this country, it's the exception that becomes the rule. Well, I'm talking about the rule. Men are stronger than women. That's the main reason. There's another reason. You really don't want women captured in combat, do you? Why? You figure it out. We got to pretend these things don't exist in the real world. They do. There's also a problem in the barracks when you have men and women. What might that be? You figure it out. There are occasions when men should be able to do things. Women should be able to do things that men can't do and vice versa. We take men and women as they are. And we don't need to play liberal games with them. You know, changing the pictures outside the men's room and the, men, and the women's room. So it's, oh, we have a unitary uh, uh, bathroom. Well, count me out. I don't want to go to a unitary bathroom. I don't want my wife or kids in a unitary bathroom. Is that what they call it? Unitary unisex. Whatever. If you got this, you go there. If you got that, you go over there. That's the way it's supposed to be. And it will always be that way as far as I'm concerned. So if one judge and this crackpot organization and somehow all of a sudden the Bill of Rights, they have been there a long, long time and all of a sudden they've determined that the Fifth Amendment's Equal Protection Clause means that you must draft women if you're going to draft men. You must draft women. This is the problem with radical egalitarianism. And I believe the radical left women agree with this decision. Unless, of course, they're drafted and sent off to Afghanistan and, uh, and other hellholes. May I say hellhole? It is a hellhole in many respects. What do you think about this decision? 
Judge rules men-only military draft unconstitutional in court win for San Diego men's group. I think it's nuts. Well, Mark, there are women in combat. I understand that. I don't agree with it. I really don't. I'm sorry, I don't agree with it. I'm not going along. I do not believe women should be in combat. I believe they can be in support roles. But I don't believe they should be in foxholes. I really don't. Well, you know, in Israel, I don't care. Well, you know, in China, I could care less. The standard is what we want to do here in the United States. And in Israel, they have 6 million people. We have 320 million. You know, it is a little different. In China, you know, they have one point so, so what? That's a, uh, that, that's a communist dictatorship. Of course, everybody, everybody's a worker. Everybody's a worker. Everybody has to do the same, be the same, act the same. They got a whole social credit system now. Social credit, where they score you. I'm worried, you know, AOC will have that in mind. You know, we really need, what, what, dummy? Uh, we need a, a social credit system. Those who comply and those, who, oh, really, dummy? Well, I choose not to. So we have rule by judges who are more and more activists. More and more activists. They just are. You know, this is one of the reasons people oppose the so-called Equal Rights Amendment all these decades. For this reason right here. And so they want to amend the Constitution through the back door. They don't believe in the amendment process because as crazy as these left-wing ideas are, they claim they're popular with the people. They're not super popular, if popular at all. So they can't meet the, the, the higher standard to get a, the Constitution amended, to get an amendment through. So they go to a judge and, you know what, what? I think you're right. There it is. The Fifth Amendment's equal protection. Oh, why didn't I see that? Well, you didn't look hard enough. It's right there next to the uh, abortion clause. Well, there's not one there. Exactly. Well, you know, whatever. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Tom Tillis guy, this senator from uh, North Carolina, Rich. Meanwhile, let's go to Stephanie, Nashville, Tennessee, Sirius Satellite. How are you? Go right ahead. Hey, um, actually, I'm a conservative, yes. heterosexual female. And Congratulations. I that, thank you. And uh, I have to disagree wholeheartedly with your opinion about women in combat. Mm-hmm. And as one who's been in combat several times... I just want to let you know that physical strength is not the determining factor on how we choose who is going to deploy and who isn't. And I know you're talking about the rule and not the exception, but it's it's almost kind of a dangerous opinion to have because some people are not deployable for many reasons. And if you go on physical strength only, you rule out a lot of men too. And it's actually, in my opinion, a very liberal philosophy to say, Someone should be eliminated from something just because so of the you, gender. So you think women should be drafted? I think being drafted and women having the freedom to go to combat voluntarily. I will address that in a minute, but do you think women should be drafted? You know, I actually don't have an opinion on that. Well, I think you better think sure. about I, it I because know. we just had a federal judge who just ruled that way. I don't know how I feel about it. I think if we got to a point where so little 
uh, men volunteered to go that we had to draft women. No, that's not how the draft works. If you draft it, if you want to bring a lot of people into the military and you draft men, we have in the past, we've done it several times, and we did it through a lottery system, and they show up. And that's how you get hundreds and hundreds of thousands more people in the military who have not volunteered. So you're on the fence on that. I don't know why. But now I let's go. I would rather see the draft eliminated, and I would rather have it a It is mandatory. eliminated. I would rather for all. I would rather have the, the draft eliminated for all and a mandatory two years of service. Okay, but that's not going to happen. In the middle of an emergency, they're not going to do a mandatory two years of service. They've got to put in a draft and draft people who don't want to typically go into the military in order to protect the country. But let's get back to you. What did you do in the military? I was a vehicle mechanic. You were a vehicle mechanic stationed where? <coughs> Excuse me. In South Carolina. Okay, so you provided support. That's what I said. I have no problem with that. No, but it's, it's not. You have to understand. Were you in combat? Deployed. Yes. In South Carolina? Mechanics and medics are some of the, no, in Afghanistan and Iraq. So and you were deployed. Hold on now. I want to get the facts. You were deployed in Afghanistan and Iraq, and you were a mechanic, correct? That's correct. I don't have a problem with that. So if you're saying you don't think women should be allowed to engage in combat... That's what I'm saying. But you just said you don't have a problem with the fact that I did. You're a mechanic. But you understand mechanics shoot weapons, right? I have no problem with that, but they don't fly jets, do they? And we fire rifle rounds. I understand that. It's still a support position. You're not in the infantry. You're not in exactly... You're not in the foxholes that I was talking about. I disagree, because in the Marine Corps, everybody's an infantryman before anything else and that includes women okay fine i oppose women in combat let me put it to you this way frontline combat i oppose women in frontline combat do you also understand that people who have combat experience have a significantly higher rate of promotion so by saying that you don't think this isn't a woman's rights thing to me that's not why we have a military we have a military to protect the american people and i also believe we have certain standards in this country that women are treated differently than men, and I don't have a problem with that. I want my daughter treated differently than my son-in-law, and I want my granddaughter treated differently than my grandson, and my wife, I want my wife treated differently than me. But I don't think it's for one person to decide for the other. But it's one. not one person. The judge decided that was the one person. Our society has never supported women going into combat. Opinion is a decision. What's that? So, it, and it's a liberal decision, in, in my in my personal opinion, because what do you do if you get a female, and inevitably a female commander in chief, who say, let's say, is very liberal, and she decides, no, I only want black males in combat because they're that's unconstitutional, and illegal, because that has nothing to do with anything I'm talking about. You nothing just said. You don't think why? Why do people always fall into that? That is, if you say, I don't want to bake a cake for a gay couple's wedding, all of a sudden, but what about black people? Well, that's not the same thing. We're not talking about behavior. You're not talking about strength. You're not talking about what I'm talking about, women vis-a-vis uh, -vis or versus men. It has nothing to do with black people. Why would you even bring that up? Because my example is that it's a slippery slope when you it's allow It's not a slippery somebody... slope. That's illegal. And it no, should be illegal. There's no slope at all. As well. I don't have a problem with what you did. That's not really defining what I'm talking about, whether I used inaccurate language or not. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about 
when you're going house to house, door to door, I don't believe women should be involved in that. They do that every day in this country. No, they don't. What are you talking on, about? Cops aren't on the front lines every right, day. Right, cops are on the front line. I'm talking about a military zone, and you want to keep arguing in the alternative. You want to talk about black people? You want to talk about cops? I'm talking about Iraq. I'm talking about Syria. I agree. I'm talking about Afghanistan, going door to door, room to room, and so forth. And, so. and look, I appreciate what you did for the country. You're, you're a great patriot. And, and I have no problem with that from a <coughs> man-woman point of view. And of course, if you come under attack, you need to be able to shoot back. That's not what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. I disagree with what you're talking about. That's okay. In there. That's I okay. Think you need to experience it to understand what it really requires. There's a lot of people who've experienced... Well, let me tell you this. There's a lot of people who've experienced combat and who agree with me. I don't know anybody in the military. Really? Well, I remember my grandfather fought at Iwo Jima. He would have thought it nuts for women to have landed on Iwo Jima. Yeah, I'm I'm talking about people, you know, that are post-World War II generation. Why? In the military. Because that's the here and those are the people serving now. Well, I know, no, no, but I'm, I'm talking about all people who've served in the military. You keep changing. You said... It would be good if I served in the military, then I would know. But I know people who served in the military, and many of them agree with me. I don't think it's for a male to decide what is acceptable to them or not. That's, that's up to the commander-in-chief of the military. It's well, he's a, and last time I checked, he's a male. Right. And, and last time I checked, the judge who ruled the other way, he's a male, too. I think these arguments are spurious. I think you're throwing in every conceivable sort of cultural argument you can think of, modern-day cultural argument you can think of. I made a simple point, which is I don't believe women should be, I'll, I'll clarify, in the front lines of combat, that, that what I mean is exactly as I gave the example. I think uh, a father and a husband and a son have a right to, to expect society to protect their wives, their mothers, and their daughters, <clears throat> and I just don't have a problem with that. And I think women also have the right to not want to be protected by somebody. You're assuming that but that's all- irrelevant because the issue is what's best for the military, what's best for national security, and what's best for the country. It's not about a women's rights issue. It's not about a black issue. It's not about any of the. It's not about a men making decisions for women. It has not. That's not the issue at all. This used to be well understood. It's not anymore. Well, I think if you talk to people that served in Israel, and I have many friends, but I brought up Israel Israel. originally. I love Israel. We're not Israel. They have six million people. They face uh, they face Iran that has like ninety, seventy to ninety million. Other countries and so forth. They do it out of absolute necessity. Now you said to me originally, if we needed to do it out of necessity, I said yes. If you need to do it out of necessity, I understand. But it started with the draft, and when it comes to the draft, it's not done out of necessity. The arguments that were made in that federal court in Texas had nothing to do with necessity because necessity is not the issue. What you had is a bunch of disgusting men in there saying, it's not fair, we get drafted and, and, and our wives and daughters don't. I want to thank you for your service, I really do. We'll be right back. high but this phone call is not 
Call Mark Levin toll-free at 877-381-3811. You know, whether you've got a five-mile commute to work or you're road-tripping across the country, you don't want to feel secure behind the wheel. No question about that. That's why you need extended vehicle protection from CarShield. CarShield makes the process of fixing your car for a covered repair super-duper easy. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work. It's your choice. They also provide 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed for free. Now, if your car is 5,000 to 150,000 miles, it doesn't mean you have to pay high repair bills. CarShield administrators have paid out close to $2 billion in claims, and they're ready to help you. Save yourself thousands in future car repairs. Get covered by the ultimate in extended vehicle protection like I did, like my family did. Call 800-CAR-6000. 800-CAR-6000. Make sure you mention code LEVIN. Or visit carshield.com. That's carshield.com. Use code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N. Either way, you'll save 10%. Call 800-CAR-6100. Mention code LEVIN. Or visit carshield.com and use code LEVIN to save 10%. A deductible may apply This is a tremendous service. That's why I have it on our 2010 Camaro, and I can't recommend it strongly enough. It is a grand slam. 800 car, 6,000, mention code LEVIN. All right, Lynette, Spokane, Washington, XM Satellite, how are you? Hey, good evening, Mark. Nice to talk to you again. Thank you. Hey, 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 look, um, I spent almost 29 years in both... uh, I'm in the Marine Corps and then the rest of the time in the Army. Um, I will say first and foremost that women provide no force multiplier by being in infantry or rangers, special forces, etc. What does that mean? It means it means females do not add to the combat effectiveness of those types of units effectively. Now, you were a sergeant major, so you, you, you were in a sort of a command structure, correct? Well, you know, the Army kind of does it for you. You get whole special Talk right into the mouthpiece because I'm losing you. Okay, sorry. The Army does it kind of oddball where once you get so highly specialized and then you mm-hmm. move up into the leadership, um, E8 and E9 realm, you're taken away from your specialty where you were the biggest asset. And I... I appreciate the Army deciding I was worthy of, of being a sergeant major. But, so, but, but that said, I was in a very male-dominated uh, field. I was aviation. Mm-hmm. And believe me, I took, I took my beatings um, as the only female, in, in female aircraft mechanic. Um, mm-hmm. I worked on helicopters. Um, so I was the first female in that particular state. Uh, aviation unit. I was also the first female C-23 flight engineer in the country, and I worked my way up into actually managing the flight standards program for the enlisted side of the house. Mm-hmm. But but all that said, um, I've watched over the past, say, 30 years, the men in this country just absolutely being emasculated to the mm-hmm. point where they sit around sipping hot cocoa in their footy pajamas. Mm-hmm. Um and and I don't I understand that the military, you know, effectively since the fifties, you know, the Korean War was when when the military first 
integrated blacks into the military. So you had blacks and whites serving in the same units. They weren't segregated like they were in World War II. Um, but but that, that was a positive social experiment. Um, now we're working toward the negative side of the spectrum as far as the military being used as a social experiment in that they think that women are qualified. Yes, you may be a strong woman. My, my daughter, of, of anybody I know in that age group, she'll be 28 next month. I would say she could hack it, but I wouldn't want her to do that. Mm-hmm. What, um, what about a draft for crying out loud? Well, I, I mean, I could see if if they restructured the, the selective service programs to where when high school seniors, male and female, get to that age where they've got to register for the selective service. And on a funny side note, my daughter got one when she was in high school. They had her misgendered. Mm-hmm. Um, we got that fixed. But um, I, I could see that if, if yeah, it was terrible. I'm glad you got it fixed. Here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't get her fixed. We got that. No, fixed. I understood. But, but um, <laughs> I could see if they actually did, you know, take teams to go into the high schools, people that need to register register for the selective service, both male and female, give them an on-site evaluation. Okay, are you physically capable of you know carrying a 50 pound load or a 70 pound load? And, and, and designate just an area that they could serve. And I will guarantee you 90% of the females would not be able to... But that's not what concerns in. me. The bureaucracy at the Pentagon and other places, even pressure from Congress, would change the standards so that they would. And uh, like I say, I have no problem with these backup positions and so forth. I'm talking about the heavy lifting in, in the in a combat-type uh, situation. And I... And I suspect the vast majority of husbands, fathers agree with me, and the vast majority of mothers agree with me. And I want to thank you for your service, Lynette. Don't get mad at me. I got a role here. Thank you, thank you. It's an interesting topic. I don't think a federal judge should be calling all these shots, that's for sure. Pete, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. How are you, sir? How are you? Retired Army Mark, thank you for taking my call. I appreciate everything you do. And, you know, I don't agree 100% with you or anybody else. That's just the nature of humans. But I do agree with 99 point whatever percent of things, and i got to support you on this. I commend the young sergeant major, the young lady just got off for 29 years. I only did 20. And then the young lady before her, I kind of understand where she's coming from, and I'm with you. Nothing against women serving in uh, support positions, you know. Even though she was a helicopter aviation mechanic, that's great. Mm-hmm. I don't think she should be doing that in a combat zone. And the young lady that was a Marine said, you know, Marines are sol- you know, they're soldiers first. They carry a weapon. Well, the same thing in the Army. I don't care if you're a doctor, a lawyer, you know, whatever you are. The officers carry a 9 mil or a forty five cal. The enlisted and, and many of the most of the NCOs carry a uh, M14 or M16, whatever it is nowadays. I don't know. And I don't know what percent of the women are, but the, the sergeants major and the first sergeants, the E8s and E9s, mm-hmm. most of them carry a 45 or 9 mil. And like I said, I've been retired 15 years, so I don't know what percent of the, of the military is uh, is female now. However, I've had this debate with my uh, 22-year-old daughter and her friends, and I said, look, Rachel, it's against my faith, and I'm not going to go into that right now, but I don't know anywhere where in the Bible says the woman is supposed to protect the man. The man is supposed to protect the woman. I cannot see my daughter going. She expressed an interest at one time. 
I said, Rachel, and she has five older brothers and a younger sister and a younger brother. My 30-year-old now is going to make a sergeant real soon. I'm very proud of him. Wow. What a yeah, one of his older brothers tried to go in the army, and, and he's got his bachelor's degree. And I'm not going to say his name in public right now. I'm on serious radio, but he didn't he didn't make it because uh, he didn't score high enough on his mathematics or whatever you call that part of the that mm. part of that battery of the test. Mm. But anyway, I've got nothing against women's servant and support. But my question to all the ladies out there: If you're that patriot and that much of a patriot, you want to serve in the military? Guess what? There are thousands of jobs out there. In the military, where do you think all these male soldiers and sailors and airmen and marines get their training from? They have to have an instructor and a trainer. I would commend a woman, and, and they, they do that now. The doctors, the lawyers, you know, all the mm-hmm. different uh, aviation mechanics. Your, your, po- your point is just <laughs> I have to go. Your point is there are many, many positions in the military that do not require women to be on the front lines. And I, <laughs> excuse me, and I absolutely agree with you. Uh, and I also believe that women should not be part of the draft, period, let alone a judge ordering it. Thank you for your service, Pete, and for that of your family, too. Let's grab another one before it's uh, too late here. Uh, let us go to Doug, Los Angeles, California, 870 The Answer, the great KRLA. <laughs> go, excuse me. Hey, Mark, thanks for the <clears throat> privilege. You got it. A while ago, you were talking about uh, getting to the, the foundation where a lot of these folks get their liberal views and all being in college. And I was talking to my son and my daughter who just finished their undergrad, and I said, you know, I'm an attorney myself. I said, I'm going to go to the source and do what I can do. I'm going to apply for a master's program, go back to school, get in philosophy or something like that, psychology, whatever they'll take me in. And then take three or four classes, and then not to create a disturbance that I get thrown out of the class, but to present a well-presented argument, well-thought-out counter-perspective to these professors, where I don't have to care about my grade. If they want to give me a C or a D or something, I deserve an A, that's fine. But get in the classroom and show these kids there's a counter-argument, and let them see someone take the professor on one-on-one and challenge their positions. You know what? Hold on a second. You have come up with a genius idea. We could have people like you and me who just sign up for a couple of courses, even if we claim to be signing up for more. We can drop out. We don't need it. And we can go into these courses at the point you raise, not to sabotage the class, but to provide a counter viewpoint. Exactly. And if we did this by a large number of us, this might be very, very interesting. Go right ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, we're legally on campus. I can't throw us off. We're students. We behave. We don't go in there like militants. And how many of us already have, say, a bachelor's degree? We can go back to a master's program or, or a doctor program or go to a JC take courses, get on there legally, be respectful, but right at the point of the indoctrination, throw in the alternative point of view. Just, uh, it's, you, the, the only issue would be if people can afford to do this. In other words, take the time off from a profession or from other kinds of work and so forth. Well, you know, for some of us, like myself, I, I run my own office, so I, you know, mm-hmm. I've got hours that can be flexible, but a lot of times these master's programs or the JCs the JCs especially, they're inexpensive. They have a lot of night courses. 
the universities have a lot of night courses for the masters and and doctor programs, and then we're right there. We're right there on campus. All right, I got it, buddy. I got to move. Don't get mad at me. Thank you for your call. Breaking news! Breaking news! Breaking news! Isn't that the way the cable shows do it, Mister Producer? Univision anchor Jorge Ramos and his team are detained in Venezuela. Networks say. Univision anchor Jorge Ramos and members of his team have been detained in Caracas, Venezuela, after disputed presidential president rather Nicolas Maduro, quote, didn't like the questions, unquote, they were asking during an interview. The network tweeted Monday night. <laughs> Ramos and other crew members from Univision were arbitrarily detained at the Miraflores Palace, officials wrote online. <laughs> It was not immediately clear how many others were. So he's interviewing this guy, apparently, as best as I can tell, and uh, uh, Maduro. And Maduro doesn't like it. He's like, lock him up. The State Department confirmed on Twitter that Ramos and his team are being held against their will at the palace by Maduro and urged him to immediately release them. Marco Rubio seems to be tweeting a lot. Apparently, Jorge Ramos was able to call his office and was in the middle of explaining that Maduro had detained him when the phone was taken from him and the call ended. Oh, boy. Very interesting. You see, the American press out there, you don't know what freedom of the press is. You've got all the freedom in the world. Nobody bothers you. Nobody See what goes on in Venezuela Then other utopias? Not so much free press. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Oh, what am I doing? Right here, I'm talking to myself. I see as I get older, I do that more often. Talk to myself and the dogs. You know, uh, given that there are so many in Congress who advance socialist policies, it's no wonder that the president reminds Americans how it is freedom that improves lives. These so-called progressives might control Congress, but it's still up to us to control them. Our founding fathers counted on we the people to hold our government in check. And in order to do that, you must know the legal role of Congress. There is a free, easy way to learn the basics. Through most of March, Hillsdale College is offering their free online course on the powers the Constitution gives to Congress and what it doesn't. Hillsdale is on a mission to restore liberty in our great country. And so we can do our part by registering now to take their excellent course on the Congress for free. And then watch it anytime you want. Take it with your book club, your small group, your church group, your kids. You'll learn more in each session, all under an hour, than you ever did in school, and that is a fact. And you'll be equipped to hold your congressman accountable, too. Sign up today for this critical course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Well, this guy, Senator Tillis from North Carolina, not particularly bright. I've heard him speak before. I don't know him, and I don't really care to know him. He says, look, I'm voting against the president on the uh, National Emergencies Act because, you know, I, 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 he's not a king. I would like to remind this dimwit that this is a congressional statute. It was passed by Congress. 
Do you know this statute gives a president the power to assert martial law to take over certain industries during emergencies, to tell certain industries what they must produce? I mean, this law is crazy. Is our president abusing the statute? Is he doing anything of the sort? No. He's triggering the National Emergencies Act, and then he's going to trigger certain other statutes and regulations involving the Defense Department and immigration in order to move funds, funds that he can move, not because he's just decided on his own to move it, but because Congress in the appropriation process has given him the authority to do so. Everything the president is doing is authorized by Congress, and Congress can even pass a resolution to try and stop him, which is what Tillis is going to vote for, and the president can veto it. It's by the book. So why does this fool say, I'm voting against it because the president's not a king? This is the problem with these repubics. It really is. Let's see. Let us go to Barbara, Long Island, New York, the great WABC. How are you? Yes, I'm very well, and I was so glad to hear you talking with the other gentleman who went to take a master's so that he could be in the class, because I taught accounting at a local community college for 25 years, and there students can come, senior citizens, many of your listeners, can come to these colleges and can audit classes for free. So they just sign up, they go into the classroom, and they are a wonderful addition to the classroom. They are a Mm -hmm. counterpoint to the professor's liberal views, which go on in the classroom. That classroom door is closed. No one comes in. These professors spew this stuff, and it's amazing how influential... Great, Barbara, I got to go. Maybe what we need to do, the conservatives says start organizing people to do this sort of thing. That's a great idea. Thank you, Barbara. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, all federal law enforcement, state law enforcement, local law enforcement. And I want to thank you, my beloved audience. Don't forget to sign up for the podcast at marklevinshow.com. See you.